Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to the Heart of Poker sponsored by 8 at 8 Poker. This isn't a strategy podcast. I use a modified set of increasingly personal questions that was developed by psychologists 25 years ago. They had total strangers ask them of each other and the theory was they might then fall in love. Now mine is a shorter list, I've updated some of them, but otherwise these are the questions that they came up with to try to find a shortcut to get to know someone on a deeper level fast. My guest this time is poker pro and outspoken advocate for the game, Vanessa Cade. Now, one thing I've always really admired about Vanessa is her willingness to be uh, brutally honest about the game that we love and that she makes her living at. I think she often embodies the idea, one that I agree with, that we should uh, and actually must be critical of the things that we love, but it's definitely not always easy to do. Because although being controversial hasn't always been a career problem for some big name male pros, traditionally, poker pros who are women haven't always had that same amount of space to do that. So I think a lot of people were really excited to see Vanessa recently signing with ACR and also scoring big this year, beating almost 70,000 players to take down $1.5 million in the anniversary edition of the Sunday Millions. Super impressive and definitely a win that was heavily watched by the poker community. So thank you so much for coming on, Vanessa. Thanks for having me, Kara. <laughs> it's great to be able to talk to you. I know it's kind of been a few months now since the GG Poker, Dan Bilzerian situation where you were really outspoken and critical of their choice to sign him and then also a few months since your big win. So let's start with just where are you at right now? How has your life changed? I am currently in Vegas. Um, hmm. There are tons of tournament series going on right now. So many, they're overlapping and it's hard to choose what to play. Nice. So that's what I'm doing out here. Um, my life has, is pretty similar, uh, except that I'm playing slightly higher stakes. Mm -hmm. um, you still just kind of, you know, same friends, same kind of traveling around and doing your thing, just being able to play more things that you wanted to play? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, nice. I mean, I I just played 1-3 again for the third time this week last night. <laughs> Cash <laughs> games just for fun and with some friends who were in town. So, um, I mean, that's this week looks really like it would have for me a year and a half ago or two years mm -hmm. ago. Um, except that today I'm playing a 10 K. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Um, okay. So I'm going to be asking you a bunch of questions about, you know, your life, your perspective on the world. Are you ready to go? Yeah, I am. Let's okay. go. <clears throat> Let's start off kind of low stakes. Um, you have a certain level of fame and notoriety in poker, especially after this past year. What's it been like, kind of being a bit under the microscope with people knowing your business and talking about you? I think I've always pretty much been an open book and having streamed on Twitch for a couple years before mm. that and just having had really open conversations kind of anytime they've come up, it hasn't really phased me too much. Um, it has been interesting discussing some more controversial topics more mm. publicly where you do get scrutiny um, places like especially um twitter uh <laughs> so i don't know that i feel like kind of everything before that has kind of prepped me to be able to deal with it and maybe four or five years ago i would have been a lot more stressed about it but mm. um i think it was all right well what do you think it is about you or your character or maybe the way you grew up that gives you the courage to kind of stick your neck out when you think something needs to be said because i mean it when i said it in the intro like it is definitely something i admire about you I was always like that, uh, even as a kid, uh, to my parents, even when they were, in my opinion, not parenting correctly, I would very, 
directly tell them as much. Um, uh, I don't know. I think, I think it's just part of my personality. I just feel like I'm probably honest to a fault, even when it's super detrimental um, to myself. Right. Well, it was kind of nice being able to watch from the sidelines and see, like I said, sometimes being very outspoken in these sorts of ways hasn't always been kind to some female pros um, in terms of, you know, sponsorship deals and, you know, affiliate marketing and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really great to actually see you get picked up by, by ACR. Was that like something that had been in the works for a while? It had. Um, we had been talking about it on and off for a year um, so, you know, it was still a discussion even through the Dan Bilzerian stuff and, mm. um, frankly before it, um, and they weren't really, I don't know, they weren't scared off by it or anything. They hmm. thought it was fine and that I was ba- basically making reasonable points. So, <laughs> Yeah, that helps. That really does. Um, all right. Well, the next question is think about your best friend. Now, what would they say is your worst habit? Um, hmm. Probably that I'm really stubborn. <laughs> Hard <laughs> just <believe>. in general. <laughs> okay. Has it ever gotten you into trouble or is it just something that like the outspokenness is part of your personality? A little, little bit of A, a little bit of B. Um, yeah. <laughs> depends on the scenario. I mean, I'll get stubborn about little things, which I'm trying to do less now, especially now that I have a little bit of expendable money. Um, <laughs> like if, if, uh, you know, I don't know. There's like some customer service thing that is like not, um, not right. Like from a principal mm. standpoint, I'll get sticky about it, even if it's like, it's not the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can make my life more difficult <laughs> pretty frequently <laughs> by trying to just like get people to do what's like the logically or morally correct thing, even mm. if it's like just over something small. So I'm, I'm working on trying to like let little things go just so I don't waste any more time on anything. Smart. Yeah, it's definitely a way to live longer as well, I think. I've been working on that myself. Um, on the flip side, what skills do you have that would make you valuable in a zombie apocalypse? And now, I mean, you are strong. Let's be honest. You are like <laughs> seriously strong. I watch some of your videos and your workouts and I'm like, I'm in awe and extremely jealous as well. So um, I'm guessing that would be one that would make you valuable. <laughs> I mean, I'm not that strong. <laughs> You're really strong. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely in the best shape I think I've ever been in. So that would nice. that would be a plus. Um, uh, I'm pretty resourceful mm. and I can problem solve really well, <clears throat> just spontaneously based on no resources. So um, I mean, that seems like it has to be. Um, probably my best trait for zombie <laughs> apocalypse. I was learning some archery last year just for fun during COVID because uh, the family I was staying with um, had like a set in the backyard <laughs> and I was actually making jokes about how in case this turns into the zombie apocalypse, I'll be ready because I'll have <laughs> uh, shot a million practice arrows in the backyard. <laughs> oh man. Um, I saw a video today of, um, oh, what's his name? The, the head of Facebook throwing spears. It's like, I think a lot of people thought the zombie apocalypse might be coming and still think that it might. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not a bad thing to prepare. Um, okay. You never know. Move, you never know. Uh, let's move on to music. When did you last sing to yourself or someone else? Um, so I have like so many songs in my random playlist. Um, 
I was seeing myself in the car the other day on the way to play my first 10K, the U.S. Poker Open, or my first 10K of that series, I should say. Uh, and one of the songs it picked was like Groove is in the Heart. And it just, ah. I was just really feeling it that morning. So I was like singing in the car and then I just kept putting it on repeat. And I almost never do this, but this particular time, that whole day, I basically just put it on um, repeat one song and I just had it on loop for like hours. <laughs> <laughs> How did it go for you when you were playing? Oh, God. Not great. Um, okay. <laughs> I, no, it's all right. Uh, I've actually played really well. Uh, the day went really, right. really good until uh, there's just one hand right, basically right before the bubble. Mm. I could have I just cashed with an average stack and it would have been fine. But there was just one hand where you got stubborn. In my opponent's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> my opponent's line didn't make the most sense. He basically oh, yeah. had to have had mostly air, like bet bet a hundred percent pot on flop and just gone runner runner flush. Mm. And uh, I just didn't believe it. And that is exactly what happened. And I lost the majority (laughs) of my chips uh, and was basically just on fumes and I ended up stone bubbling. So that hurt a little bit. Yeah. No kidding. Okay. Well, it's not going to be this, but the next question is for what in your life do you feel most grateful? (laughs) So yeah, let's go from that to something about gratitude. I, I am grateful for that. That's funny because I spent huh. the next day actually thinking about how grateful I am, A, to just even be able to be there, mm. and B, I spent the whole day playing my game, I think, very fearlessly, whereas in the same spot maybe a year and a half or two years ago, I would have been much more nervous playing about playing a 10K. Mm. Um, and, you know, I made like multiple ace high calls that were correct. And just, I, it felt like a really good day where I just, I played my game for the most part. Aside from that one hand, everything just went the way it needed to. It just felt mm. really good. And so I spent about 20 minutes beating myself up about bubbling and making that call where I could have just folded and had lots of chips. Um, and then I started thinking about how grateful I am to just be able to play it at all. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a definite um, perspective shift when you can get these, uh, these opportunities that, you know, a lot of people don't get, but you don't have to feel like nervous about them. You right. kind of are there and you're able to really kind of be there, embody it, like, play that that must feel really good it does yeah hmm. even what playing you- one three i would make yeah. like um there was a 300 dollars river bet i made actually against my friend yesterday and i was bluffing and i was literally hoping he would figure it out and call <laughs> um and you know it just like that kind of stuff being able to do that and not be worried about winning or losing 300 dollars and hoping that my friend gets it right and wins 300 dollars was that you know it's, I don't know, it's definitely a perspective shift and I'm really grateful for that. Okay, so the next question in this section gets a little darker, I gotta be honest, but remember, this is not my question. This is a whole group of psychologists that developed these. So uh, the question is, do you have a secret hunch about how you might die? Dark, um, I know, uh, right? I've, I've thought about this actually, Ooh. like, uh, yeah. Um, so every time I go scuba diving... Um, people are concerned, especially if I do like cave diving or mm. cavern diving. Um, and I'm, I'm very sure I don't die by water and mm. I'm not sure why, but I, I don't think I drown. I think it might be like either falling downstairs, something like that, or something 
It's it's either that or getting like stabbed in a casino. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've spent an inordinate amount of time thinking about this and I, I feel like I'm pretty sure it's one it's one of those two. Oh man. So no like peacefully in your sleep when you're 95. Nah. I'll go out being stabbed in a casino and then falling down a flight of stairs. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I mean maybe it's both. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean it's pretty yeah. It'd be reasonable. Um, okay. Nobody's ever really given me an answer for that, so I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, I've thought about a lot of random stuff, so. Man. Yeah, so I'm have ready. I. I used to think when I lived in Canada, um, growing up there, I always thought uh, like avalanche or falling through. I used to have these terrible nightmares as a kid about falling through the ice on the pond when I was skating mm-hmm. or whatever, um, or falling through like a snowbank, but like really deep because, I mean, I was from northern Alberta, so they were pretty deep. And uh, yeah, I got to be honest, it was probably one of the reasons I left. So, <laughs> but you haven't <laughs> left casinos. So, I mean, you are more stubborn and probably more brave than me. <laughs> I mean, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So yeah, I'm not falling through the ice. I'll tell you that right now. Um, <laughs> okay. Last question in the first section, there's three sections that get progressively more personal. This one says, if you could wake up tomorrow, having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? Oh man, I would obsess over getting this exactly right. Um, <laughs> any quality? Mm-hmm. Um, like real or imagined? Absolutely, like, yeah. It could be like invisibility or something. It definitely um, could, yeah. See, I would learn. I would have the ability to understand any language. That would be mine. I've thought about this a lot. It would make my life so much good. easier. Yeah, I figure. I'm sure if I spent. And I'm going to spend the next day and a half thinking about this almost for sure. <laughs> but uh, I, th- I think my short-term answer would be like some kind of healthy immortality so long as the planet is healthy. Mm. Like, you know, I wouldn't want to be stuck here if everything was decimated and there's no one else around or anything like that. But uh, so long as everything is good, being able to be relatively young and healthy and live forever seems mm. like a, a pretty good one. Yeah, I'll say Um, Actually, there's a question, and I didn't have it on this list for you, but I'm going to go for it anyways, and it's in the first section, and it says something to the effect of, if you knew you were going to live until you were 90, and for the last 30 years of your life, you could have either the mind or the body of a 30-year-old, which would you pick? Um, I would go for the body because... I would have I, I would gamble that my mind would still be relatively okay mm-hmm. at that age. And yeah. I think having the body just makes you more able to do fun things in the world. Yeah, that's true. And I think a lot of poker players um, who do, you know, get older, um, who are lucky enough not to get stabbed in a casino. I mean, like the mind stays pretty sharp and pretty quick. Like they've done all this research into people who do, you know, puzzles and mental arithmetic and kind of that sort of thing, which I mean, poker definitely is that problem solving. And it keeps you really young in your brain. So I I kind of think we have a head start with that. Yeah, I feel like that's probably right. Mm. Okay, set questions number two. If a crystal ball could tell you the truth about anything, your life, your future, something that's already happened, what would you want to know? Are there any secrets that you're just dying to know? It could be personal. It could be global. Ooh. 
think there's a bunch of small things that I would like answers to, but nothing so significant that I could think of it off the top of my head. Hmm. You've um, never had someone tell you something and you're like, I really wish I knew if that was true. I mean, I've had a lot of small things like that, but nothing that I've really obsessed mm. over after the fact, I don't think. Hmm. That Very one's helpful. tough. I'm not sure I can answer that without thinking about it more. Okay. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, all right. Is there anything you've dreamed of doing for a really long time but have not yet done it? I wanted to go to India, actually, mm -hmm. and um, travel around India and see, like, for several months, I think, and see all parts of the country. Mm-hmm. What is it about India that really draws you in? I don't know. It just seems like such a very different culture from mm -hmm. ours and a very colorful one with, you know, a friendly people and a very different way of life. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it would just be a really unique experience. Yeah. Have you been able to do a lot of traveling through poker in your life already? Um Yes. And before that, I think even more so. I used mm. to be a video game producer and one of my jobs was for Lucasfilm in Singapore. Wow. So I got to travel all around Southeast Asia. I would just basically take trips um, everywhere anytime I had time off. Hmm. Um, but I didn't make it out to India and I didn't make it out to Japan. I was actually just talking about this yesterday with my friends Um how I was basically saving it to last because I knew that I would love Japan so much that <laughs> everywhere else in Southeast Asia was going to basically pale in comparison. Mm. And then I ended up not making it out there. So, so I mean, I still have to, I have to make that trip at some point too. Mm -hmm. well, why did you leave video games just out of curiosity? Uh, mostly for the flexibility. Hmm. I, I really don't I do well in a super structured environment, I think, where I have to be in a specific location mm -hmm. five days a week from, you know, on a, on a very specific schedule. It just, I really struggle with that. Yeah, it sounds like poker is definitely the right lifestyle. I've often wondered for a lot of poker players if it's like, if we change because of the lifestyle or if we just gravitate towards a lifestyle like poker because that's kind of who we are naturally. Because I, I had a, also like you, I had like a regular nine to five job before poker and the idea of ever going back to that, I'm not sure I actually could at this point. Like, I don't think I, I was, could. Yeah, I don't, I think I would really struggle also. I think I just, I think I need a, like the variety of mm. just like, get like schedule and just having my days feel different from each other. Yeah. Um, and the lack of structure just feels really good to me. I don't, I don't know. For some people I know, like I, it would feel too chaotic, but even when I was playing cash games, just being able to, you know, sleep as long as I wanted, I'd wake mm. up, go play, go to bed when I wanted, sleep as long as I wanted. And there's just, it just didn't matter. You know? Yeah. That's such a nice thing about poker. Um, all right. So now poker or otherwise, what is the greatest accomplishment in your life? I mean, I, I mean, how does it not relate to the Sunday Million win? Yeah. Um, but I think it's maybe not the win specifically, but maybe having stuck it out the two years before. Mm. Um, because I had been having a pretty tough time the previous two years. I was just running so far below EV. I got in so many big tournament spots where I got down to like the last few tables and just, you know, would have a top chip sack and just get coolered against the only person who has me covered. And this just Ugh. happened repeatedly. And I just couldn't get a, a good score for two years. And, you know, I was probably, I was, you know, would have been down several hundred thousand dollars in EV. And, mm. um, 
so and I remember telling myself after the first six months I was running so bad that I'm like, this can't continue forever. Like this gotta be <laughs> near the end of this. And then it ended up going on almost two years uh before that. So wow. uh I you know, I am like I said, very stubborn. And in this case, that was an asset because I just don't quit unless mm-hmm. I'm basically, <laughs> unless I have no option. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, maybe just like not quitting right there mm. uh, until we saw some success was probably um, one of them. Must have felt like vindication to finally hit that score and for it to be that one. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It was pretty crazy. I basically just sat at my computer and started crying. Like yeah. while I was playing, I wasn't thinking about any of that kind of thing. I honestly was barely thinking about the money except for ICM considerations. Like it really, it didn't feel real or like, you know, it's just numbers to me at mm-hmm. that point. Um, and then when the little screen came up at the end that says, congratulations, you won the tournament. <laughs> then it sunk in a little more and I just felt relief basically from two years <laughs> of frustration. Yeah. How long did you keep that screen up <clears throat> so you could see that little pop-up? <laughs> I kept it up as long as I possibly could, which I think was almost two weeks. And I'm not sure what happened because the oh. table itself was still there, but the little pop-up somehow went away. So, oh. And it was on a Sunday and I think I maybe accidentally clicked okay on it. I don't see how though, because I was yeah. so careful with that table. But somehow the little thing went away and it was over a week and a half, I think, before wow. the, the box <laughs> went away on my desktop. And so when you were going through it the two years previously, like that's got to be incredibly difficult emotionally and just for like, I don't know, like for your own sense of well-being, I've, I've seen people go through massive downswings and have seen how hard that is on people, you know, who do this and have to get up and do this again the next day and then do it again the next day and who can look at all the graphs and the EV charts and know what's happening. Like, how do you keep plugging away at it and kind of believing in yourself as a player? It's hard, man. Like that, <laughs> that is like, you know, there's some, there's a large amount of self-doubt that creeps in no matter what. Um, you know, did I, did I make a mistake doing this? Am I not as good as I, you know, think I am maybe, mm. you know, and I've never thought that I was like the best or anything, but I should have been solidly winning. And, you know, I was just, was not doing that great. And, mm you don't really know. And all I could do is try to focus on everything that was within my control to be making myself better mm-hmm. at it and like trying to find any remaining leaks or just, you know, things I'm not doing well um, and focus on the improvement aspect more than anything. Mm-hmm. What actually was really hard was when I was trying to stream and going through this a lot, um, it just makes for not great Twitch content because right. it's hard not to be you know, not to feel kind of bummed <laughs> about yeah. these like consistently <laughs> disappointing outcomes over and over again on stream. Yeah. And then all these people who are watching and mostly sweating my action, I'm sure there's some anti-sweaters in there too, but mostly sweating, you know, my <laughs> tournaments, they want to see things go well and, and see final tables and everything. And I'm just not hitting as many mm. as we should. And when I do, it's just not going well. And, you know, I mean, it, it it's tough viewing too. So, um, it's, I have like mixed feelings about having streamed a lot of that portion of my poker uh, sessions on <laughs> Twitch where it's tough because, you know, I'm not giving the audience what they want and mm. it's hard to stay really positive. But also, I think it's kind of nice to have them, you know, see just how 
how bad things can go. And like, it's almost like having somebody to commiserate with you. You never have to tell a bad beat story. (laughs) Yeah. They've seen them all. Yeah. And I think it's actually really good for people who aren't professional poker players to see also, because I mean, if we look at, um, what we normally see in the media for professional poker players in poker media, at least not kind of mainstream media, it's the successes and the extreme, like, the, the amounts of money that can be won and mm-hmm. the, the nice lifestyle and the whole thing. And I think it can get really missed by some people who then want to go on and be a poker pro and don't realize quite how hard it is and how kind of brutal it can be when you have to go through downswings and pretty much everybody goes through downswings. So mm-hmm. like, how do you feel like about the people that you had around you at the time? How important was it to have like some people to keep you level-headed or to to help, even the people who are watching on Twitch to kind of witness what you were doing and realize that, yeah, you're doing the right things. You just have to keep doing it. I mean, that definitely helps. Um, it definitely helps a lot. And I think for myself, because I always wanted to put out like really positive streams, it, you know, I just wanted them to be fun and entertaining. But even if I was feeling kind of down a little bit about how things have been going, um, kind of forcing myself to be a little bit more positive for mm. the streams helped me actually feel more positive. Um, yeah. For real. So, um, you know, like that kind of thing really helps. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay. Next question. Um, <clears throat> this one's about, <clears throat> excuse me, this one's about family. So what roles do love and affection play in your life and how important is family to you? Um, Man, I wish I had like a nice fairy tale Disney answer to that, but um, I haven't been super close with my family. My parents both struggled a little bit with mm. um, alcohol abuse. Uh, my family life when I was a kid wasn't the best, and I actually moved away to New Zealand on my own when I was 16. Wow. Uh, kind of to get away from that. So. I did end up reconnecting with them uh, a bit later in life, and I and I do talk with my mom, uh, who is a good person, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm not super close with any of my family. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to grow up really young. I mean, to move away that young to a completely different country, like on the other side of the world, that's that's really growing up young. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are positives and negatives to everything. It's kind of mm-hmm. unfortunate that I felt like I was, you know, in that situation. But also, I have had, you know, a really interesting, um, unusual life, I think, to mm. this point. And I don't think I would have had that otherwise. Right. Do you find that you kind of gather people around you, like as a, you know, like what they call, what is it, found families or chosen families? <laughs> Yeah, I actually one of one of my biggest problems uh, is um, when I start dating somebody, I get really attached to them because I don't mm-hmm. have family. They kind of become it. So, mm-hmm. um, like that's one thing I struggle with. But definitely, the people who are in my life are basically family. Yeah, yeah. I think we kind of as we grow up and get older, we kind of figure those those kind of pathways out for ourselves and trying to build the life and the family that. Yeah, that we kind of need, especially as adults. Okay, last question in the second set. If you knew in one year you would die suddenly, these are really cheerful, (laughs) would you change anything about the way you're living now? Hmm. I mean, I might expedite some of my plans. Uh, You know, like I would would probably maybe drop 
some of these tournaments and go do some of the traveling, I think. Um, but otherwise, I wouldn't change anything. Mm-hmm. I think I would just try to get some of the stuff I really wanted to do in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, third set of questions um, is a little bit more personal. The first one is, have you ever been truly terrified? Yes. Hmm. Um, let me think. Specifically, there was a, a time I was almost in a car accident where I was driving on an icy highway between uh, Vancouver and Alberta. And randomly, there was like, uh, there. it didn't look like there was anything on the road. I don't even think it was below freezing, to be honest. I'm not sure how this happened exactly. But my car spun out. And I was going slightly over the speed limit, like not unreasonably. And my car did like a full 360 on the highway. And it was one of those um, highways where there's just like a sheer drop on the one side and not much of a, of an embankment Um, and cars coming behind me and everything. And just as the car was like, as it was sideways, I remember just having the thought like, Oh, shit <laughs> like <laughs> uh, i'm dead uh like you know because it was just going so fast and if i hit even the if i hit even the the side embankments i thought i there's a very Ugh. good chance i'm probably just going to die um uh i'm ma- just somehow managed to like regain control of the car facing the correct direction which was crazy wow um and speed back up enough for the cars behind me not to run into me which was just like shit. some kind of it was just this insane scene that you know, I could never replicate it. And, you know, you need like stunt drivers from that movie, I think, to re- redo that because it was nuts. Like it was a full circle. Um, and I don't know how I didn't go off the road right there. I was yeah, just no really kidding. lucky. That is terrifying. What do you do at like, so you speed up so nobody hits you. And then what do you do? Like, do you like I mean, pull I over just and kept, throw up or? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't pull over. I just like kept driving and like Dang. let my heart rate slow down a little bit. And then after after a minute or two, I was fine. But I was like, holy shit! Like, wow, <laughs> did that just happen? Yeah, man. Yeah, driving in Canada can be. I mean, yeah, it's scary. It can be really scary sometimes. You just don't even see that ice coming. Oof. I've, I've been in very similar situations and I don't know, at the end of it, I've pretty much always gotten out and thrown up. So <laughs> kudos to you <laughs> and your strong stomach. <laughs> uh, okay. Next question is what do you value most in a friendship and are there any deal breakers for you? Um, yes. Uh, specifically in friendship, let me think. Honesty and loyalty. I mean, that's just across the board for me for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, is number one period. Uh, I feel very strongly about not lying to people you care about and basically, you know, doing right by them. So Mm. um, specifically deal breakers for friendships would be like people who gossip a lot um, and Mm. just waste time kind of talking trash about other people, especially if they're like friendly to their face and then say bad things about them when they leave the room. Like I find that really distasteful. I just don't like it at all. Mm. Yeah, for sure. What do your friends have like a common, um, like characteristics or traits that you can kind of see throughout them? You can see what you're like looking for in people aside from honesty. Yeah. For the most part, um, you know, they're like fun and easygoing Mm. and, uh, you know, relatively outgoing. Like if you imagine like a, a loud rowdy poker table, um, (laughs) 
laughing and having fun and stuff, you know, probably um, like those are the kind of people that (laughs) being friends with. They just like to have a good time and are mostly joking around, like not taking anything too seriously. Okay. Um, Well, in terms of taking things seriously, the next question is, when did you last cry in front of another person or by yourself? Who? Um, I think uh, not that long ago, about a week. Mm. Yeah. By yourself or in front of someone? It was by myself. It was over a guy. (laughs) That sucks, man. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. I'm not going to ask you... For details, because obviously that would be a little pressing. Um, We'll go on to the next question. If you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? Oh, it would have been to have at least one person who was supportive, I think. Mm. And just like somebody I could really trust who'd have my back. Because I just had, like, there was just no one for the majority of my childhood, I think. So I think, yeah, just having, like, I don't know, I think it's led to maybe trust issues later mm. on in life and just feeling really isolated. Um, yeah. Even, like, fin- whatever, just, just, like, in a support um, manner, like, financially, emotionally, just I feel on my own a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would have been nice to kind of have at least one relationship where I really trusted somebody so I know what that feels like. Mm. in a healthy way because I don't think I don't think I know what that feels like in a healthy way yeah do you think that you'd ever want to have like kids of your own or is that something that has kind of turned you off the idea I'm not sure I think I'm really colored by the fact that my dad didn't want to have kids and um he they ended up having four uh but he was very resentful of that and let us know pretty consistently how he was angry. He had to pay for us at all. And, um, you know, wished kind of, we weren't there. Like it was very clear, uh, and he thought kids were a burden and and stuff like that. So I think that has colored some of my view of it. However, I do feel like it's not a, there's not a 0% chance. Like if I found somebody who I thought was spectacular enough to, marry and build a life with, um, and trusted them. Mm. And, you know, they also really wanted a family and would clearly be a good parent. Like for me, it's about, I would do it if I could do it right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It does matter so much who you're doing it with. I think that's like the number one key for the whole thing. Cause it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And you can't sleep all day anymore. And that I'll be honest, just to lighten the thing. It, it really sucks not being able to sleep all day anymore. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there you go. Um, what if anything is too serious to be joked about? Do you think there's anything too serious? Uh, yes. Mm. I don't like rape jokes. I think is probably same hard, same. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I could think of other things like just, you know, really extreme cases. I think any time where there's like violence or murder that surrounds like specifically sexism or racism or mm-hmm. homophobia, like those really bother me. Yeah. And I would find, I would have a hard time finding much funny surrounding that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find that a lot of the jokes in that, those kind of genres that we're supposed to laugh at they don't poke fun in the right direction, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. Like they're not making fun of the 
the nastiness itself of the whatever racism or sexism or homophobia. And it's not coming from the people that were targeted. I feel like humor that comes from groups that were targeted is very different from the right. general population. <laughs> sure. Like self-deprecating stuff is always, you know, like if, yeah. even if it's kind of indirectly or the group that you belong to, that's definitely better than, you mm. know, if you're part of the group that typically oppresses the other group and you're making yeah. jokes about it, like it's not, that's not okay. It's not cool, man. I don't know. Yeah. It's not I mean, cool. I understand. I'm with you. <laughs> I understand the argument that like humor is humor and I don't get super wound up about it when I see yeah. it, but I definitely don't find it funny and, and you know, I don't particularly mm-hmm. like it. Yeah, I think people kind of conflate the idea that, so saying myself, I don't like those jokes either. They would conflate that with me saying that their people aren't allowed to make those jokes. And I mean, nobody said that. No one's going right. to arrest people for making, you know, bad or off-color jokes, but a lot of us can choose not to go and listen to those comedians. And I don't know, I think a lot of people get very upset about the idea that we're silencing people or people are being silenced as comedians because people don't like their jokes. And it's like, well, people haven't liked comedians jokes for <laughs> as long as they've been comedians, you know, like you just, that's part of being a comedian. I think. I don't think anybody should not be allowed to say them. For I mean, sure. I just, yeah. like you say, I like, I just did going to choose to not enjoy <laughs> that. <laughs> yep. All right. Another wonderful question about whether, if you were about to die. So if you were about to die this evening with no chance to communicate with anyone, is there anything you'd regret not having said yet? Yeah. I mean, who, who doesn't answer (laughs) yes to that? I want to show me the healthy human being that, (laughs) that doesn't answer yes to that. I mean, I actually thought, uh, in the past that it would be a fun exercise to basically write anybody significant in my life a letter as Hmm. if I was going to die and kind of just say like, you know, not, not anything specific, I don't think, but just like, you know, how much they meant to me or things like that, Hmm. that it would have been just a good, healthy exercise to do. And I thought about doing that multiple times and I still Hmm. might end up doing it. Yeah. I think people would really appreciate that. I mean, getting that kind of a letter or a conversation from somebody, you know, before they die, I don't know. I think it could be really good for relationships too. I think there's a lot that we don't say that we kind of take for granted or we just, I don't know, maybe culturally we don't think it's, it's kind of weird to be that, I don't know, like emotional with our friends, but I think it's a good idea personally. personally. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it, it would be good to reflect on those things. And I mean, it might scare the shit out of people though. <laughs> like, are, you, are you about to die or something? I feel like that would be the reaction to that. Probably. <laughs> okay. Well, we only have one question left. This one, your house, including everything you own catches fire. After saving all of your loved ones and your pets, you have time to safely make one final dash to save any one item. What would it be? Now that the pop-up box is gone from that table, it can't be that. <laughs> Man, I really have no sentimental attachment to almost any wow. object. I don't have an answer to that. I just don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, like no stuffed animal from when you were a child or... No, I didn't enjoy my childhood. That can burn. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Man, Okay. So do you keep like keepsakes when you go places or is it just not so they, really, just, they um, don't mean anything so much? No, I am very, very not materialistic. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I don't have 
really any sentimental attachments to like almost any object. I honestly cannot think of an answer. The closest thing I would say would be like maybe my computer because it (laughs) might it might have some photos that aren't on my phone that I might care about, but I don't even think so. Like I just. I'll take the insurance money. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, good for you. I like that. Yeah, I think I've moved so many times into so many different countries. And every time I do, I get rid of as much as I can. I give away stuff and whatever. I still do have a box of like, I mean, I'm I'm older too. So I've got a box of like letters and photos from from exes and from old friends and stuff. And I'd probably get that. But I, I haven't looked at it in, I don't know, 10 years. So that kind of says something too. I have a box like that, but I just, I just, even that, I just don't care about that much. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't really look at things, then they can't mean that much, I think. That's something to think about for the next time I make another international move. I might just throw it out. Who knows? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, that was our last question. I really appreciate you being so game for this. I, I know it's not the usual poker interview and... Oh, I hope fun. it felt okay for you. Oh, cool. Good. Yeah, this wow. is great. It actually reminds me of this game. I don't I don't even know if it's an actual game. It is sitting on the bedside table unopened that I had bought called We're Not Really Strangers. Nice. And it seems like it's based on the exact same concept as this, where huh. you play it with somebody and you kind of ask each other deep questions and they write down an answer or something. That's the premise to it. Yeah. I don't, it has five stars, so it must be pretty good, but I'm pretty sure it's basically, huh. I'm pretty sure we just played it without playing it. So. <laughs> I would like that game, honestly. This to me is, I love these sort of things, especially if there's like a cocktail or a glass of wine and you can sit somewhere nice. And for me, that's like the perfect way to spend an evening. So I really appreciate this. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we can do it in person sometime if I ever get out of Italy. Who knows? I may be trapped for sure. forever. Yeah, I'd like that too. Um, all right. Well, thank you for opening up again, and thank you all who who are listening. I hope that you feel like you know the person behind the avatar and the the player behind the cards much better now. So join me next time on the Heart of Poker, sponsored by Eight at Eight Poker. Mm-hmm.